Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Train Debbin, and I am joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. Had a great cigar experience just coming in here. Is there anything better than when you come into a cigar shop and you see somebody that you hadn't seen in a couple of months? And this is really the only time you would get to interact with them. And um, so before the show, I was sitting over there talking to a friend of ours that his wife is ill, so he's doing a lot of hospice care, and he gets to come here to kind of blow off steam. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's been a, it's, it was really it's a great that's a great reason to smoke cigars. We'll talk about that a little bit in the future. But just talking to somebody and catching up on his life and seeing where it's going with his wife and how all that's going is just just really exciting. Yeah, that's I had a. Not similar in context, but a similarly great cigar kind of situation that happened today, which was that I saw that uh, that Austin posted that he got the new La Carême by Crown Heads in. <laughs> that so made you happy. I, it made me so happy because I drove, like, I saw he posted that around lunchtime today. And so I've been just thinking about this cigar all day. And wouldn't you know it, I get down here and there's only one left in the box. Well, I actually, we're going to do something unique tonight in that we're both going to smoke that cigar. We are, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I'm a big fan of the La Carême. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not typical Crown Heads, I don't think. There's a little bit more cocoa, a little bit more earthiness to it. It's not very spice-forward. It's still made in the, the Dom Papine, the, um, the My Father factory, like so much of their stuff is. And, uh, and it's a Bellicoso, which I'm not usually a fan of, but, you know, it's a limited edition 2018 release. Um, well, and the La Carême original was a box press. Yes. And it's kind this, of a pseudo box press. It yeah. wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a, an aggressive box press. Right. You couldn't shave with the corners. Exactly. But it was still a box press, and this is a more traditional round in shape. So I'm interested to see how that affects the flavor and the draw and everything. So... I, I came in here and seen the same thing you did. There was only three left in there when I got here. So I bought two thinking, well, if somebody was to come in and buy the last two and Trey didn't have one, it would be a travesty. So I bought two. I thought, worst case scenario, I'll take one home with me. So I'm glad there was still one left in there for you. So this cigar, um, it's the same blend as the La Carême original, but they instead added a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. It's over an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder and Nicaraguan filler. So it's going to have a little different flavor to it. Um, Sumatra, I like. It's got a lot of things I like in it, so I'm interested to see. And you know, I'm not the biggest Crown Heads guy. I know you're not. So I'm really interested to light this cigar and talk about it. What's great is they call it a Bellicoso, but it's really almost more of a... It's more of like a fat torpedo. I don't know that it's long enough to call it a Bellicoso. Um, it's a perfect sort of, it looks like it's going to be about a perfect one hour like cigar podcast, cigar cast. Wow. <laughs> it's been a long day already. Uh, going to be a perfect smoke for the time that we're going to be on the air tonight. Well, and you went with the straight cut. I went with the deep V because I love the V cut on a torpedo. I feel like it adds surface area to that. The cold draw has kind of given me a little stiffer draw than I'm used to, but you're always going to get a little stiffer draw in that torpedo. How's your draw with the straight cut? I I grabbed a second cut on mine just to go a little bit deeper. Part of that is because it was a little bit tighter draw than I was 
maybe hoping for. The other is just that I'm not a huge fan of the Bellicoso torpedo style tip. So I tend to take more off than I'm supposed to anyway, just to kind of minimize that a little bit. I find that I'm one of those guys that'll let a cigar sit in my mouth for a little bit. And I find that torpedo shape makes me feel like it's constantly about to fall out of my mouth. See, I like the torpedo because I feel like it concentrates the smoke. I feel like it gets the flavor a little stronger to you, a little more specific um, in the delivery. I think the torpedo shape actually adds something to the delivery of that. Would you like to borrow my lighter? Mm -hmm. This is a rarity. Trey's lighter didn't work and mine did. Trey is out of fuel. So usually I'm the one having to consult the gods to see if I can get a lighter that works, but... Thankfully, Trey got his on. And luckily, your lighter is the same as mine, so it wasn't like I had to use one of those eight-jet fighter jet engines that you normally carry. I got it with me if you need it. (laughs) Um, But interesting cigar news that I saw today. Uh, We talked about a a group, a bunch of yahoos early at the end of last year that were so desperate in how much they hated cigar smoke, that they wanted to be co-defendants in a lawsuit. Well, now that same group of like six different organizations that were trying, um, well, they call themselves health groups, um, but they're really just busybodies, if you ask me. Um, American Academy of Pediatrics, American Cancer Society, Cancer Action Network, American Heart Association, American Lung Association, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, and the Truth Initiative are now suing the FDA themselves. Yeah, the FDA is getting it from both sides in this deal, but I don't doubt that there's not something shady under the table going on with the FDA here, that the FDA has received so much negative feedback about wanting to make cigarettes and cigars and vaping all under the same category, that they're not trying to, they didn't encourage them to file this suit in order to, so it didn't look as one-sided. Yeah, that, you know... I think there's probably something to be said for that. But I, I just think it's so funny that, you know, the Cigar Rights of America is suing them for the regulations, and then this group of people is suing them for taking so long to get the regulations in place. It's like, you can't win for losing. Well, and now the FDA is trying to get the tobacco companies in Texas that filed the lawsuit against them to move that to D.C. and combine that with the Cigar Rights of America lawsuit. They're trying to consolidate their lawsuits, which is which seems foolish to me. It seems anti-American. I don't think a judge should let that stand. Well, no, but I think from an FDA standpoint, it makes sense because then it's only one lawsuit. You're paying one set of lawyers' fees, one set of, you know, one set of court fees, all that stuff. So for them, it makes sense. For a taxpayer, it kind of makes sense as well. But as someone who loves cigars and wants to see this lawsuit go through, you know, I'd rather see it be dropped and the regulations be dropped ultimately, but I want the FDA to suffer. If we've got two or three different groups that can all afford to go after them and and really make a stand that says, hey, we're not taking this lying down, then I'm all for it. But I think this group, this new group of yahoos that are suing the FDA, I think... It, the timing of it seems to me like it stems from some news I saw at the end of last week, which is that the FDA announced, um, I'm not going to use the acronym. Um, ANPRM. Yeah. So Advanced uh, Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. Yeah, my phone screen went dark. I had to bring it back up. Yeah, so basically they're 
they're slowing down. They're kind of reevaluating whether or not cigars are going to stay in the language. And I see Scott Gottlieb's fingerprints on this. I think this is the first step. I don't think that they can just walk in and say, okay, give a premium cigar exemption and get it done. I think this is the first step. And I've already read, there was already a doctor, and I couldn't find the article again, that released his statement to the FDA about the health risks involved in cigar smoking. And his stance on it was there's no noticeable health risk associated with two cigars a day. Well, and that's what really the purpose of the uh, AMPRM is focused on. So there's a couple of things I really like about this. Uh, Number one is that it's a formal document that kind of shows what they're they're going after on a particular issue. In this case, um, it's going to give both the public and the industry the ability to comment on it uh, on the potential changes. Now, it doesn't mean that those changes will take place, but it gives a little more transparency into the thing, which is always a good thing in my book. The other thing is that specifically what they're talking about in this that they released is a definition of premium cigar and whether or not premium cigars have different health impacts from non-premium cigars and use patterns and things like that. So it sounds like they're giving us an opportunity to say we're not machine-made cigars. We're not cigarettes. We're not, um, you know, this premium cigars are something in and of itself, and this is why we deserve that exemption. Well, it's like them trying to regulate rum and scotch using the same, using the same language. It just doesn't happen. Trying to regulate cigarettes and cigars in the same language is idiotic mm-hmm. at best. Because the only thing they got in common is a little bit of tobacco in the case of a cigarette. Yeah, and the fact that you smoke them. Yeah. They're so, I mean, it's just, it's, we're not going to spend a lot of time tonight talking about the FDA stuff because it does get so depressing to me. But I do <laughs> think it bears mentioning that they do have this time. It's a 90-day period. It'll be over June 25th. I'm really interested. I'm going to start marking all of the different reports published that these people submit to the FDA because I think that'll be published. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll do a good job of doing what I don't feel like the Fox News interview did last week, of educating people as to what a premium cigar is. Right. Uh, yeah, that, I, I think that's definitely true. I think when people start to realize that this is not, you know, how many times have you heard, have you been smoking a cigar and someone walks up, oh, yeah, I like cigars too. I like the grape flavored ones. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I, I hate to be that guy. I and be a little pretentious, but you, you don't like cigars then. Yeah. And I, th- I think getting the general public to recognize there's a difference between the two will help us in a long way. But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily want to beat that dead horse anymore. I just thought it was so funny that the same group of people that were saying, hey, we wanna, we're on your side. We want to help you. We want to are now like, well, no, you're in our, you're, we've got our sights on you now. Right. You're, you're now part of the problem. Exactly. Well, and it's interesting because I pulled up... Have you ever pulled up a cigar flavor wheel Mm-mm. and seen the amount of categories of flavors there are for cigar? I've got it up on my iPad, so I'm going to show it to you. And those at home, just Google cigar flavor wheel. Hmm. There's about seven main categories and about 50 subcategories inside of that. That's pretty cool. Of different flavors that you can elicit from a cigar. And that's something I think people don't understand is the variety of flavor... That you can have everything from honey to leather as part of your cigar flavors. And that's not 
And that's not the same as a flavored cigar as well. You know, you're talking tasting notes like you would with wine or with bourbon or something like that. Um, I especially like the section on the flavor wheel where it talks about non-flavor, you know, harsh, dry, bitter. You know, that was something that I talked about with the, um, with the Music City or with the Nashville series last week. Right. And I pulled up several different flavor wheels because I was interested when I kind of got on this kick today. And the only flavor wheel that really compares to what cigars flavors can range would be a wine flavor wheel. That makes sense. If you look at a scotch or a bourbon or if you even look at cereals and different things like that, there's not quite the range of flavors. And it, it really says what an amazing plant tobacco is that we can cultivate it and manipulate it to elicit so many different flavors. Oh, absolutely. Now, you can carry it too far, you know, you as we've pointed out on numerous occasions you can say you know nutty with hints of oak and leather and honey and you know you can carry it too far but i do think it is amazing how many different the sugars in tobacco you know tobacco has sugar in it Mm -hmm. and there's sugars and the tar and the nicotine and all the different aspects of what tobacco is come together to really really just do something amazing well yeah and it's also you know how the different blends come together how the different processes come together how the different sizes affect those things you know there's there's so much that goes into it and we have and we will continue to talk ad nauseum about how complex and how much a work of art each cigar is now also well first what's your first third or first inch of the cigar taste like to you the La Creme 2018 it's it's definitely better than the regular release uh, for my flavor, for my palate right now. Um, I'm not, I haven't gotten just, you know, I don't have a lot of tasting notes on it just yet. Um, the, the draw is a little thicker, uh, stiffer than I would really prefer. And, and I know it must be quite a bit away from you because you like a lighter draw even than I do. Yeah, this it's a little stiffer draw and I, it just, I don't believe it's got warmed up enough. You know, I can still touch right toward the end of my cigar and I, I don't think there's enough heat transferred through the cigar yet to really unlock it yeah um, initially I've not got a lot out of it but I think it's going to develop if the draw loosens up but that was that you know with the regular release of the lock rim I, I get that on every one of them I smoke I actually had one recently I, I hadn't touched it in a while and I picked one up and that was one of the things I noticed about it is when you first light it up, it's really light, really airy, kind of almost floral. It's, it really doesn't pack a whole lot of a punch, but it develops through the length of that cigar. So I'm interested with a little bit bigger ring gauge but shorter platform if this develops a little quicker or kind of how it, how it transitions into the you know, second, third. Well, and I'll speak for a moment about the construction. You can see this thing is burning even. I mean, you could take a laser level and put across the end of my ash yeah. on this. The wrapper's holding together well. The construction seems to be of oh, superior absolutely. quality. Yeah. And I'll give, again, I got a bow to Crown Heads. It's a La Creme, it's a special edition, and it's 11 bucks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who else is doing a, a limited edition cigar for that price right now? Yeah, I mean, I will, I will definitely give Crown Heads, and I don't want anybody out there to think I don't like Crown Heads. I would love if everything they did, I loved. Mm-hmm. They're a local company to hear. There's some guys doing it right. They've got a great company philosophy, and they're producing things. I just, I really enjoy everything they do. I just, their cigars have not impressed me yet. I like the Waltz. I like the Rose. Yeah. But I'm 
I'm, I'm not a Crown Heads hater by any phrase, <laughs> but it, they still got a lot to prove to me. Well, it took me a while to get there. It wasn't until the Waltz came out that I really got to that point with them. You know, the, the Headley Grange when it first came out and the... Um, uh, I forget, uh, the um, Oh, goodness. Four kicks? Four kicks, thank you. Um, I was not terribly impressed by those when when that was pretty much the, the linchpin of their line. But as they've developed, as they've grown that partnership with My Father's Cigars, I've really started to enjoy. It seemed like the first batch of four kicks burned so quick. I would get those, and it would be a 30-minute smoke. Yeah. And it actually caused me to stop smoking them for a little while because you know me, I'm pretty much a... Try to be a one cigar a night guy. Try not to smoke multiple cigars in a night. And it, to have one that just burns for 30 minutes kind of loses the feel for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, if y'all are picking up any background noise, it's because the old dudes in the corner are deaf in this store, apparently. They are turning the closed captioning on. Oh, no, he was turning it off. Never mind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, apparently they need to catch up on their politics and want everyone listening to as well. All right. Well, speaking of politics, I actually brought some other news in. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, there's a Georgia bill right now that's seeking to raise cigar taxes. Now, this is this is something that hits me really close to home. Uh you know, as I've mentioned many times before, I started in the cigar industry living in Georgia, working at a local shop down there and then transitioning into the rep side of things. And they were already paying some of the highest taxes in the industry at like 26% or something like that. This is going to raise to f- about 400%, 42% is what their ta- tobacco tax is going to raise to if this thing passes. That's just asinine. Oh, it's ridiculous. Now, basically, it'll shut down a lot of cigar shops. Well, yeah, because a $9 cigar is going to be a $14 cigar. You know, it was already one of those things when I was living down there and I would travel to my accounts in Tennessee, I'd stop, I'd stock up because, I mean, we still don't have the best tobacco taxes here, but it's better than it was there. And now they're just going to, I mean, 43% or 42% is just ridiculous. Well, it is, and it's one of those things that there's going to have to be enough people get together and raise cane about these taxes that, you know, I've been fighting with the city down where I do business because they're trying to quadruple permit fees. Mm -hmm. And they tried to sneak it in, and now we've got lawsuits and everything going against them, but they knew they could quadruple permit fees and generate revenue easier than they could up the wheel tax. Because the wheel tax affects everybody. The permit fees only affect you if you're building a house. Right. And I think that's what Georgia's doing is they're like, okay, let's not do something that makes everybody mad. Let's just pick a segment of the population we don't mind ticking off. Well, especially since uh, another part of the the wording on this is the fact that it's going to increase the tax on cigarettes from $0.37 to $1.87 per pack. Yeah, it's, it's so it's it, it's clearly they're after something. You know, th- this is an attack bill. Well, it's a cash grab, and it's a, they say, okay, we're going to attack this segment of the population because that's easier to get. Because you know, here in Murray County, they issued a wheel tax, and in one year, our t- cost of tags went from seventeen dollars to seventy-five dollars. Jeez. Well, everybody on the city council that tried to run for election got put out right. because the common man all of a sudden had to shell out more money, so they voted all their rear ends out. Yeah. But that's what they're that's the pattern now of politicians is hey, let's 
raise a tax on a segment of the population that we think can afford it. You know, in the impression that it's the, the cigar guy is the old rich guy sitting around from Monopoly smoking cigars doesn't help with this sort of thing. It's true, but at the same time, like, it just, I really like the idea that they were able, that your county was able to get, I love the idea of getting rid of incumbents. I say we do, I say term limits for everybody, regardless of the height, like, mayors, city council, school board, Congress, everything. Well, the only problem with doing that is nobody wants those jobs. The people you would want to have those jobs don't want those jobs. Well, controversial idea that I've had for a few years now is make it compulsory. Make it like jury duty, where you have to serve at some, and you can, you can only move up, and you can never move back, and you can never take the same seat again. So you get to be mayor for a term or two, and then you can either run for your state legislature, federal legislature, something like that, and that's it. You can move up if you if you you can make it to president. If you don't get it, well, you're out of politics. You've done it. You don't get to sit around and make a career out of it. Well, you know, the Constitution was never designed for us to have career politicians, and things like this Georgia tobacco tax is why it was never designed for us to have career politicians. Well, you also end up with stuff getting a little local here. This whole transit bill that we're dealing with in Nashville right now—that's a really hot button issue. But the whole idea is like if if. You had to get something done within the four or six years that you're elected to this one term or, or whatever, two terms, if it were. You've got to get stuff done because you're getting out. You don't get a chance to sit around and kick it down the road forever and spend a bunch of money on research and do all this stuff. It, it would force action. Yeah, you don't get to, to spend years lobbying before you launch the bill. And it would keep people connected with their constituency. I am watching a really great documentary um, not Ken Burns, it's another Burns. I guess it's his brother or cousin or something. And it's on New York City. And the episode I was watching the other night was talking about, um, I want to say it's Al Smith was, was uh, governor of New, elected governor of New York uh, early 1920s or 1919. And he was an Irish immigrant. Grew up in the Fourth Ward, like down in the shadow of the Brooklyn Bridge, like really impoverished. But he was a true blue immigrant that was elected to governor. And, and how how it really changed the face of, of politics in New York in that whole state for a very long time because it was it was one of them. It was one of the people. that And he, he actually got a lot accomplished by by saying it's not about us, it's about the, them. And I think we need to get back to that in politics. Well, politics is like professional wrestling. This, I'm curious to see how this goes. As, as everything in my life, I tie it back to professional wrestling. The greatest gimmicks, the greatest characters built are built off of something people can identify with. It's built off of the guy who the boss keeps putting in bad positions, who the boss keeps trying to hold down, and who fights his way out of it and comes back. You know, the one of the greatest gimmicks ever, the Steve Austin gimmick. Steve Austin was the common man, the common worker, railing against management, Vince McMahon. Mm -hmm. And they made big money with that gimmick because everybody identified with who Steve Austin is. Hey, I'm not going to let you tell me what to do. Right. And politics works the same way. You've got to have candidates that people identify with. It can't be, you know, Al Gore's of the world. Well, how many times have you heard people say, I'm voting on this guy because he seems like the kind of guy I could have a beer with? Exactly. Like, like that's, that's what people... 
that's what people respond to because it's pe- what people relate to. Um, but enough about politics. Enough about politics. Let's talk about something fun. So Drew Estate this week. First, I would like to commend Drew Estate for doing something really intelligent. They released all their barn smoker dates at the same time and put all the tickets on sale at the same time. That is pretty smart. Well, it does a couple of things because the Kentucky barn smoker would sell out in an hour. And the Florida barn smoker may have tickets for a long time because it's a little further to get down there. You know, Kentucky barn smoker is so centrally located. And all. And this year they even added a barn smoker. So this year there's going to be five barn smokers. There's going to be the Florida, the Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Kentucky, and the Louisiana barn smoker. And they released all the tickets at the same time. Got mine yesterday on the pre-sale. Drew Diplomat members. It's a good reason to be a Diplomat member is they'll give you 30-minute head start on everybody else snagging your tickets. That is pretty nice. But the um, releasing all of them at the same time makes it so easy to kind of plan your year and say, okay, I want to go to two this year, and I want to go to two I hadn't been to. So I'll go ahead and buy these tickets and start making my plans instead of having to wait and say, ah, I can't buy the... And then they're like a couple weeks apart, so you can't take time off work that close together, and then you miss it or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and they've got one literally on almost every month. They've got May, June, August, September, November. All right. So the only month they're missing is July. I assume that's for Independence Day. So what states did you say it was again? It's Connecticut, Louisiana. Connecticut, Louisiana, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Oh, so Pennsylvania's the new one this year. Pennsylvania okay. is the new one. Connecticut's the original barn smoker. Mm-hmm. And then Connecticut and Kentucky, and then Florida came online three years ago. Louisiana's first year was last year, and this year Pennsylvania's first year. And um, we were at the first Florida barn smoker, and it was a blast. I mean, it's just a great farm down there. They had fresh fruit grown on the farm. We brought like three watermelons back that were some of the oh, sweetest, nice. best watermelons you ever had. And just had a blast going down to Orlando and spending time there on the farm and spending time at Corona Cigars and just really, really a great event. So which one are you going to, or which ones are you going to this year? I'm only going to get to go to the Kentucky this year because the wife just started a new job and we're she hasn't built up the time off like she used to have it to be able job. to travel to Connecticut or Pennsylvania or somewhere. Yeah, one day I want to go to the Connecticut one. That's that's the one, the big one on my bucket list is to get to the Connecticut one because I've never been to Connecticut. I was only there briefly, so yeah, it would it would definitely be nice to get up that way and and you know because a tobacco farm is a tobacco farm is a tobacco farm, but not really. I mean, they all do the same thing, but they all do it slightly differently. And so it's that's one of the nice things about the Barn Smoker events is they, they give you a little insight. And it's not just a, here's where we do it, but this is here how here's how we do it. And this is why it's important and that kind of thing. So I think being able to see the different processes from the regions would be really, really cool. Well, and getting to meet the, guy, meet the guys that own the farms, I'm sure it's rewarding for them. You know, Robert up there at the Kentucky one, I always shake his hand, tell him thank you that I appreciate that he, you know, helps be part of this. Mm-hmm. And Alan Roberts just a humble great guy and it's it's but it's nice so nice to meet the guys that own the farms. That's yeah, just absolutely. a different and you know Robert he's a you seen him at the barn smoker. He's a good old country boy. He yep. was there in his blue jeans and he he looked like he could just as easily been teaching a class on cigars or driving the tractor planting the tobacco. Right, exactly. I mean, he had that look about him, so but it's about time to take a break. Yep. Need to step away from the mics. Promise no more politics after the break. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things, especially why we smoke cigars. I want to delve into that. Why The why behind the why. 
All right. Well, we will talk about that and more when we come back after this. Trey here with this week's Cigar Under $8. I want to talk again about the Charter Oak. Uh, I'm joined this week by Allie, and you said this is probably your favorite cigar under $8. Is that right? Absolutely. It's actually one of my top three cigars that we have in the humidor, but it's definitely the number one that's going to be under $8. So one of the things that I really love about this cigar is that it's got a broadleaf wrapper, so it brings a lot of flavor to the party. And interestingly, it uses Indonesian filler as well. So it's kind of some unique flavors that you're not expecting in any cigar, much less one at this price point. What is it about, what is it about the cigar that you like so much? Uh, so it's been the first cigar that's had like an oil and leather to it that I've been able to enjoy. It's not overpowering for me. Um, it's what I call my homework stick. And so when I'm sitting here with my laptop doing homework for school, it's, it's the one that I can keep picking up and I, it just it keeps pulling back to my palate and I just really enjoy smoking it and it doesn't it doesn't send me on my butt it's not too heavy yeah and I, one of the great things is it, it burns so evenly and so slowly if, if it does go out you relight it you don't note I don't notice any diminishment of flavor or quality when that happens yeah absolutely it's one of those that you can just keep relighting and I, I never notice that it's even been relit it's not one of those that I worry about having to put down or anything like that. I can sit there and take an exam, you know, spend an hour doing that and pick it back up. And it's not, it hasn't changed at all. Excellent. And I think it's about, what, six and a half bucks for the big one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's well under, you can, you can almost get two for under eight. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm Shane Reeves, sitting here with your cigar sommelier, Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. I think that might be the favorite, my favorite one you've ever used. Now, is sommelier specific to wine? Or yes. Is, it is specific to wine. What's a cigar recommender called? An aficionado, I guess. Is it aficionado? See, aficionado to me impl- doesn't imply, yeah. it implies that they smoke. It don't necessarily imply they know what they're smoking. Well, but I feel like if someone is either self-described or described as a cigar aficionado, you can probably bring whatever questions you have to them and they'll be able to, you know, as we learned from one of the reps uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, th- there's no master class like there is with Somalia. There's a great documentary on Netflix called Psalm. I, I think you would really enjoy it. And it's about uh, how hard it is to actually become a master sommelier. And it follows a couple of people going through their tests and all the stuff they have to know. And they have to, they have to pick wines completely blind. And it could be from anywhere in the world, any grape, whatever. And they have to be able to identify. It's really cool. But there's nothing like that for cigars. There, well, there isn't, there isn't an international standard. Right. Okay, this, you know, I think wine is... Wine is a little more definite flavors, plus you don't add the unpredictability of the cut and fire. Right. You know, you pour wine, um, you might talk about it breathing and being sure it's breathed. Breathed? Breathed? Yeah, sure. It, that it's got enough air in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but there's not as many factors, because how you cut your cigar can affect how you enjoy your cigar. How you light your cigar, how hot, whether you use my big, you know, torch or whether you use a soft flame can affect it. It's so hard to say, okay, 
this is the definition of this cigar. Because there's a lot of cigars that I'll say on here, I didn't care for this cigar, that I'll talk to people, and it's the cigar they love. Yeah. And, and that tickles me to death. You know, the, cigar, the best cigar is the cigar you're enjoying. That's exactly right. As long as you're enjoying the cigar, it really don't matter what I think about it. Now, I share a palate with certain people, and there's certain people in this shop that I'm thrilled that I share a palate with because I know if they come to me and say, Hey, Shane, I got this cigar the other day, and it was absolutely wonderful. I know I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. And there's certain people come in the shop that I see them smoking a cigar. I don't even want to smoke that cigar anymore. I dislike that person so much. <laughs> <laughs> or, can, or the the opposite of that is that I see someone smoke a cigar, and I think less of them because they enjoy it. That, <laughs> that doesn't exactly happen. But there are certain people I see smoking cigars, and I'm like, really? That cigar? Well, it's all cigar is all about engaging. It's all, this, this cigar that I'm holding in my hand right now is a tool. For which you and I to engage. We engage in conversation. We engage in critique. We engage in philosophy. So many things that we can engage in over the span of this cigar. You know, I always think about there is, and um, if you ever seen the miniseries Shogun, had Toshihiro Mifune and Richard Chamberlain in it. And uh, Toshihiro Mifune was the Japanese John Wayne. Okay. That's the only way to describe him. He was in a lot of these old samurai movies. It was based on James Clavell's book, Shogun, and it was about a Dutch captain that ended up stranded in Japan, and Japan trying to establish a navy and how water battles went and things like that. And him adapted to the culture. Great miniseries. If you've never seen it, take the time. It's it's a great eight hours of your life. <laughs> Don't have to set it, see it all at once. That's why it was a miniseries. Right. But in that, the way they used to measure time was a stick of incense. And when you would be asking, you know, to speak to the shogun, he would say, okay, for this amount of time, you get one stick. And they would light the incense, and as long as that incense burned, you could project your case to the, to the shogun. And if you, when it burned out, your time was up. And I, I sometimes feel like cigars are that way. I kind of say, okay, I need to wrap this up. He's getting down to the nub. Well, you talked about that re- a few months ago about how you know, it gives you a captive audience. If you've got someone you need to talk to, you share a cigar with them because you know it's a 45-minute smoke. This is an hour-and-a-half smoke. This is, you know. So yeah. it very much, very much works that way. Yeah, you could really detain someone for an extended period of time with that, which kind of brings us to our topic. So, a friend of mine recommended a book to me that I'm currently getting involved in reading called The Why Behind the Why. All right. The principle being that you have to ask why five times to get the real answer. That when you're talking to a person, you say, why did you do that? So, three-year-olds are the smartest people on the planet. Exactly. (laughs) They master it early. And then we beat it out of them. That's right. That's a whole other subject. I, I could write a book on incredibly insane things my parents said to me while growing up. And I, th- I think we all could. And my parents are great people. And my parents did a great job raising me. I feel like they did the best they could. But there's still those times where, now, we're going to this wedding and you better act right or I'll beat you. Okay? That's it. They did. She didn't give me any indication of how the rice worked at the wedding. You give a kid a bag of rice... He can't eat it. He knows he gets to throw it at him at some point. Right. But he doesn't know the process. He doesn't know the... Doesn't know when. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't know... Doesn't know with what velocity. None of the etiquette is ever 
really, I'm sorry, Marcy, for ruining your wedding. Um, <laughs> none of the philosophy is ever, re- or etiquette is really conveyed to this young person. Not that they could necessarily receive it, but it'd been nice if it had been conveyed before I got right. to the meeting. I mean, I, so there's a whole lot of talk about that. But let's talk about why do we smoke cigars? Why cigars? Why do you smoke cigars? I smoke cigars because I love... I'm a person who does not have a wide social circle. Until I began smoking cigars, I didn't have a lot of people around me that I could go to for different things. You know, there's people sitting in this... If you look at people sitting in this shop right now, if I just want to turn my brain off and hear somebody babble, I go over there. If I want to know everything there ever was to know about Winston Churchill, I go over there. If I want to talk to somebody who needs somebody to talk to in their life, I go here. There's so many... The social circle, I think, is bigger for me than the cigar. Yeah, I think that's true of a lot of people, and I spoke about it last week, right? I could give up cigars tomorrow, but I would miss the social circle. Uh, that's For me, you, you know, it's that social interaction. It's, but but it's, it's more than that, too, just because I enjoy... I enjoy the flavor. I enjoy, there's something about, especially a really good cigar that, and and people are pretty divided on this, about whether or not you like the aftertaste or not. I do. Coat my palate. I want to taste that cigar after I'm done with it, uh, especially if it's a good cigar. The DNA by La Aurora is, is fantastic at doing that. Uh, so is the Jaime Garcia. Um, both of those cigars, it's not that stale, like you licked a dead cat kind of taste that you get with some cigar. It's that, it's just, it's a continuation of that flavor. And there's something about that, it, it, it's almost immediately nostalgic. It is, and I think part of that, smell is the strongest sense tied to memory. How many times have you been walking somewhere and you smell something and it just triggers the most vivid memory comes out of your mind that you've right. ever had? And I think cigars add an air of that. If you walk in and you smell deep, rich Nicaraguan tobacco burning, or I'll walk out of a store and somebody's smoking a pipe somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you start pointing, you start, you know, you become a bird dog. And that was a, that was really fun for me when we were in Florida because down by the beach in Fort Lauderdale, there's a bunch of cigar smoking going on. So you're walking down the beach and you, oh, that's. All right, that's a cheap cigar. That, uh, ooh, that's a nice cigar. Like you can you can tell the difference, and it, it was just nice to kind of be around my people. <laughs> nice to know. Well, and the other thing, you know, I was speaking with my sister this morning and this weekend. Her and her husband have a rare weekend where the kids are all off doing their stuff, and she's like, "Well, we don't really know what to do." And I'm thinking to myself, you need a cigar hobby. Hobby, yeah. A cigar hobby would be great for you because you, you know, if Glenda and I have a weekend, we don't have nothing going on, and you know, we don't have the dog or something like that. We may run down to Alabama and just spend a day down there, and I'll do all the shopping things with her, and we'll eat somewhere nice, and inevitably we'll end up at the cigar room, smoking something we hadn't never smoked before. Or for my birthday, you know, we went to Martin's, and then we went over to Casa de Monte Cristo. And anywhere we go, you know you can find a cigar lounge, and there's a 98% chance you're going to find somebody interesting there to talk to. Yo, absolutely. There's an approachability to holding a cigar. There, there definitely is. I, I will say, the other thing for me is, and this is something I learned in, in college, is that the, stim, the slight stimulant you get from the nicotine 
focuses me so well. Um, I can, I can focus. I can, I can just unwind so much better. I know that sounds sort of counterintuitive, but I have a really hard time unwinding because my mind is constantly going. I'm thinking of problems at work, and I'm thinking of things I want to do, and all this other stuff. And then the cigar just kind of levels all of that out. It kind of brings you down. It, you relieve stress while you're sitting and having a cigar. You kind of, as you watch that blue smoke drift away, it's like your worries drift away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, in, that's if you enjoy them, in my opinion, correctly. Now, my opinion of correctly is probably different from a lot of opinion. A lot of people. A lot of people say smoke the cigar any way you want to, but I want to smoke the cigar, and I want to accentuate the cigar with an environment. You know, I'm going to my parents' house, and my father and I are going to do our Good Friday fishing, and I'm going down the night before. And I know the night before, I have a Padron 1926 that was given to me as a birthday present. And I'm going to sit on the banks of the Tennessee River, watching the water go by, puffing on that Padron, either with my dad or by myself. But the environment will add to that that wonderful cigar and that wonderful flavor. And I like that, for me, sometimes the lack of an environment is the best environment. You know, I smoke on my balcony all the time. And there's just something about just, I mean, and I can just sit on a port, just sit outside just for the sake of sitting outside. I can do that all day long also. Uh, so sometimes it's just that that serenity, that, that being by yourself. Sometimes I want to be in the cigar shop. Sometimes I want to be in the thick of it with, you know, 12 guys, you know, everyone sharing stories and having fun and it loud and sort of, and, but sometimes I don't want that. Yeah, you know, our poker nights are greatly enhanced by our cigars because we can all sit there and play poker and puff on the cigar. I played second last night and puff on the cigar and enjoy ourselves. And you're just, it's a friendly game. You're just enjoying time with friends. All we're putting in the pot is cigars. So it's not like we're, you know, yeah. we're gambling, gambling. It's just a friendly game. And the worst thing that happens is a cigar you like gets given to one of your friends. Right. I mean, so let's talk about, everybody talks about health risks, health risks associated with smoking. First, we spoke in the front of the show about the doctor that said basically two cigars a day does not have a noticeable health risk. And, you know, to that point, I work in life insurance, right? There are a number of companies out there that no longer classify cigar smoking within limits as, as the tobacco rates for your life insurance. You know, everyone knows that if you're a smoker, your life insurance rates go up. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that all of those rates are fixed. It's not like they can give you a discount or charge you more. It's all like if, if you fall into this category, it's this price for everybody that falls in this category. So, But with cigar smokers, it's some companies it's one a week, some it's one a month. But if you're not smoking any more than that, you get the same as if you didn't smoke at all. And well, I, I think of, of all the places where they would gouge you if, the, if there were significant, if there were significant um, health risk or implications, then life insurance is where you would see it. And the fact that you don't, I think, is very, very telling. Well, you know, I spoke earlier. My wife just changed jobs, and we were filling out our, our health insurance of her new job. And we did fall. It didn't have a cigar exemption. We did fall under it, but I said, hey, for $350 a year, I'm going to enjoy my cigars. Right. I'm not going to give up the social aspect. I'm not going to give up the fun, the relaxation. You know, we're having a party here on Saturday for some people. 
and it, it'll be here at the shop, and we're just, it's fun. It's just part of relaxing, and I will guarantee you, my risks of dying from heart disease are far less because I smoke a cigar and relieve stress than if I never did, and basically my, I went from home to work to the gym every day was all I did. Right. You know, there was a time in my life that it was, if I wasn't working, I was at home watching TV. And if I wasn't at home watching TV, I was working. Right. So it's nice to broaden that spectrum. Now, cigars are not the only way to do that. They're the way I choose, though. And I don't think anyone should ever say, I can't choose the way in which I want to go relieve my stress. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, for some people, it's going to the golf course. For some people, it's having a couple of drinks at the end of the day. Uh, you know, crosswords. I'm a big fan of crosswords. That's how I wake up in the morning. You know, th- there's all different manners of way to kind of focus and relax. Um, this just happens to be the one that I enjoy the most. Yeah, this just happens to be the one that serves my lifestyle the best. The other thing, I have to refer back to my list where I did show prep tonight. Stand back. Imagine how good we'd be if we practiced. Just, Just think about it. Well, while you're pulling that up, I've got my next topic up. I wanted to talk about this because we haven't had a good uh, accessory review in a while. Please. Um, Davidoff just released a new travel humidor that is awesome. It's full leather, and it kind of opens like like an iPad case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every, there's no zippers, there's no buckles or anything. It folds in on itself using magnets. And, you know, just like, I'm, just like everything Davidoff does, their, their attention to design is spectacular. The one that I've got in this article is kind of a ruby red kind of color on the outside and then just a, a beautiful beige suede on the inside. It holds 10 cigars from what I can see. Um... And it just completely folds open like a portfolio. It's got a little rack that you can actually set the cigars in, that, and everything just kind of folds in on top of it. The thing is gorgeous. Uh, and I'll tell you what, those cigar kits are coming so coming along so quickly. It was a month or so ago we seen somebody come in that had the full cigar bar backpack right. made out of leather, but... And I love the little cigar rest. Have you seen the little cigar rest? It's Is it just, the one that has a little divot tool on it that you put? <laughs> yeah. Well, I use one of those when I'm golfing because I have a divot tool that that way when I get ready to putt, I can set my cigar up on the green and, and putt. But these are just little, they look like little metal blanks and they just concave the top of them. Yeah. And you can lay the cigar in there and have a rest for your cigar because I always take my finger and end up running it through the groove of the ashtray because inevitably someone always ashes in that groove yeah how do how do you do that i i don't know it boggles the mind if you're a cigar cast listener don't don't ash in the grooves well the, the thing for me is i smoke my cigar down until it either burns my lips or my fingers whichever happens to happen first and so what that means is throughout the course of that cigar, if I need to set it down for some reason, I, it could be short enough that the part that my mouth is on is going to be sitting in that groove where it's going to come in contact with ash, and that's going to ruin the last little bit of the cigar for me. I, I don't like that. I don't want it. No, and I mean, that, that's part of cigar etiquette. That's having respect for your fellow man. Just that whole ashtray is there. It's got to be easier to hit the ashtray than to hit the groove that the cigar is supposed to lay in. Well, I think some people think erroneously that it's there to be 
a device for you to knock your ash off. Because I have seen so many people deliberately use the end of that little rest, especially on the stinkies where that little, it hangs over a little bit. They'll use that to kind of scrape the ash off the end of their cigar. Yeah, and if you have to scrape the ash off the end of your cigar, you're ashing way too often. Right. Well, I think it's probably more of a nervous tick than it is anything else. So, cigar fact or cigar fiction? Better quality cigars will actually ash to a point as opposed to being ashed, ashing flush off. No, that has more to do with how you smoke it than anything else. We have a person here in the cigar shop that believes that due to the long filler tobacco in certain cigars that they ash in a torpedo shape and that that makes it somehow a better cigar. But I believe... 100%. One, I don't think if it is ashing in a torpedo shape, I would say it would be the opposite, that you're not getting an even burn through the entire end of your cigar. And that's actually true. And and that's why I say it has more to do with how you smoke it. If you're sitting there smoking really fast, you're going to you're gonna burn kind of a, a torpedo shape onto the end of your cigar because you're going to be burning through that wrapper really fast and the inside's not going to get to that smoke point nearly as much. Whereas if you slow down, the whole cigar is kind of smoldering evenly and you're going to you're going to bring a, an even ash down down the length of the cigar. So I will say the La Creme 2018 as it has warmed up, I'm starting to get a lot of flavors hitting me that I wasn't getting on the front end of the cigar. It's kind of the to be rolled in the the My Father factory, it feels odd not to get that huge front end load. Yeah. But as this has warmed up, I'm I'm enjoying the second half of this cigar vastly more than I did the first half. Unfortunately for me, it is pollen season here in Tennessee, and so I can barely taste anything, and I think that was... So I, I was considering that that might have been why it was tasting a little light to me on the front end. Um, it's definitely picking up, but I'm not getting any of the subtleties of the flavors that I would that I would hope for. I can, I'm getting more out of it. I'm, I'm tasting some of it now, but this is one I'm going to have to find another and set it back for another couple of weeks after all the pollen and all the bloom goes away where I can actually breathe again and, and give it another shot and give it a full review. Well, and this may be like some of the special edition cigars. Special edition cigars, to me, do better with age than anything else because they did come out, you know, they said, okay, we're going to release these in 2018 as opposed to saying we're going to release these exactly when they're at their peak and ready. Yeah. So I think sometimes you end up, you find yourself, usually when I buy a special edition, I'll buy two of them and I'll let one age. I'll probably let this other one I have age for six months or so and smoke it, you know, in September or something like that when I really can, can get the full of it, when it's pollen season again. Right, exactly. <laughs> and all this, if, for those of y'all that don't live in Tennessee, this time of year, I wash my truck twice a week just to get the pollen off of oh, it. Yeah, and, and I, this is... This marks the the two weeks that I won't be able to breathe, and I'll be lucky if I keep my voice through the whole thing. Um, One thing I just noticed, going back to that little travel humidor, just wanted to button this on. What I didn't realize the first time I read through this article, uh, there's actually four versions. I was looking at the leather one, which retails for $350, which is expensive. Um, But they also do a denim, a wool, and a canvas version as well, which is kind of nice. I know you're a big fan of canvas because that's what you carry around for your kit. The wool and the canvas are two ninety nine. The denim is two seventy nine at retail. Yeah, I've got it. T- so this is something else. That's a gift for someone you really like. Yeah, that's that's somebody that saved your kid from wolves mm-hmm. type gift. That's something you get somebody who's been a good customer all year that you know happens to do it. But 
that's less than I thought it would be being from Davidoff. Mm-hmm. You know, usually anything with Davidoff name gets to be a little bit more, they're more on the premium side than what, you know, Cohiba or um, General Cigar, a lot of their stuff will produce. They tend to raise their price where General and them tend to keep it more yeah. affordable, favoring quantity. Right, exactly. They want to get more people to have their product out there and in their hand. And all in general cigar, general cigar. I've got to say, if we were doing an awards for companies that have really come along, general cigar has done an outstanding job the last two years of bringing their company up. They really have. They're they're uh, they're really doing a lot of innovative things right now, and they're really changing the way people see their brand. Uh, speaking of which, something that they announced this week, or I think it came out today, actually, is that they've officially started shipping the Inspirato Reds that Sean Hardiman was talking about, which is awesome. I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on one of these. Um, Basically, it's 12-year-old fillers um, from Ometepe, and then 5-year-old filler from Esteli, 10-year-old tobacco from the uh, Yamastron Valley in Honduras, um, Jalapa Binder, Nicaraguan and Ecuadorian Habano Lajero wrapper. Like, there's just so much going on with this cigar that I can't keep it straight, but it keeps me so interested. That's another great thing about being a cigar guy is you get to look forward. You know, I looked forward to the Romeo San Andreas from the day they announced it. I couldn't wait to get my hands on that cigar. And I still haven't been able to. I'll, I'll have to bring you one because in the Inspirato Red is just a—it's one of those I can't wait to get my hands on. Well, and how about this? The Robusto is going to retail for six forty-nine, the Toro for six ninety-nine, and the Gigantes, which is uh, six by sixty, is retailing for seven forty-nine. See, that's great cigar under eight dollars. Great stick. I think it's going to be good. I like the orange. You know, they have yeah. the orange here, and I smoke one of them from time to time. Um, especially, it seems like that's one that gets thrown in the poker pot a lot. That and Brickhouse. We've had a big run of Brickhouse in the poker game. Are Brickhouse right? still fit the criteria to be a poker buy-in? Um, so the Brickhouse is kind of like the Charter Oak for me. They're it's not, good enough that it counts. Yeah, they're not quite an $8 cigar because on the poker game we require an $8 cigar or better just so people don't come in and throw you know the cheapest Quorums thing they can and, find yeah. Yeah, into the pot. Um but if somebody throws a charter oak in there, I know they didn't pay $8 for it, but I really don't grumble because I believe that's a cigar of the quality. Yeah, I, I get you that. You know, that's a that's a commissary quality. And the Brick House is kind of in that same category in that it's a great cigar at, at any price. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, I think, the next step. I would love to see Austin get a house blend. Yeah, which may be more difficult depending on what happens with the FTA. See, and that's an, that's another thing. We said we weren't going to talk about politics, but I don't want to see house blends go away. I, that guy in Las Vegas on West Sahara that rolls his own cigars there at Enfuego Cigars. Yeah. I don't want to see that go away. That is so nice. You're in Las Vegas. You're at a destination, and you want to stop gambling for a little while to go have a cigar, and there's somebody handcrafting them in the back. Yeah, well, there's one of my favorite cigar shops in Dallas is called City Cigar right there on uh, 75. And it most of what they do is hand-rolled in-house. Maybe not most. It was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Nowadays, they've got a pretty good selection of, of mass-label stuff. But 
they're they've got a guy that comes in and rolls every day and their stuff is some of the best that i've ever had well, luckily it's been around long enough i think they'll be safe but yeah you just hate to see the you hate to see the house blends go away and the house blend, so the beauty of the house blend is the owner commits to a certain number of those cigars. And usually when he commits to buy that many of that cigar, you can actually pick up a bundle of house blend cheaper than anything else in the humidor. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity for the consumer to get a really good cigar at a really reasonable price. Absolutely. And it's also a great way to introduce new smokers, right? Because a house blend is always going to be about medium. It's never going to be a full-bodied. It's very rarely going to be super mild. But it's if you're introducing someone to cigars for the first time, you can say, come down to my shop. This is the shop cigar. And then it makes it, you know, I think it's just a great way to, to kind of introduce people because it all of a sudden you immediately feel part of the fraternity because you're smoking something that is um, specific to this environment. Well, a friend of ours that owns a cigar shop down in Tuscaloosa he had a wedding this weekend, and he actually had Opus X wedding cigars with a label on them that said him and his wife's name in the year they were married. Oh, wow. And, I mean, that, and that's almost too good to smoke. Yeah, exactly. You almost want to put that in a case and hang it on your wall, because that, that's a rare. I'm sure there's not many Opus X wedding editions I'd come imagine out not. At all. And they, they had a great time. Um, a friend of ours was down there, and he was telling me about the wedding, and is nobody parties like a cigar guy. That's that's usually true. <laughs> I mean, he just he had a, it was a great wedding. It was a great party, and it, again, part of being the cigar culture, he got to be surrounded by all of his friends and smoke great cigars and get married. Yeah, how about that? Well, on that, I think it's time we wrap this show up. Sounds like a good plan to me. I uh, want to remind everybody that you can get a hold of us by emailing us at info at cigarcast dot com. We're on Facebook dot com slash the cigar cast instagram and twitter at the cigar cast and something that we don't talk about very much um if you're listening to us on itunes google play or wherever you find this podcast we'd love if you would go and give us a rating um that helps people other people find the cigar cast um it helps us uh, stay connected uh so if you've got the opportunity you know the show's over you've got nothing else to do you've still got 15 minutes of cigar left Head on over to your uh, to your podcast platform and just give us a quick little review. Well, everybody have a great weekend and have a good cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.